me, Lord, with my whole heart. I don't want to hold anything back, God, but I ask that you would anoint the ears of this people as you anoint my lips to preach your anointed word. Bless us, Lord. Let us receive your word, God. Do a work in this house. We love you in Jesus' name. You can be seated. The children of Israel were taken because they had wandered away from God. They were taken and ruled over by Eglon for 18 years. But I found something very interesting. There's a lot to unpack with this small story, that's an account that's in the Bible. There's a lot to unpack try to put it back together and present it. This field that I'm going to tread through is full of rabbits. And I can go off on a tangent in preparing for this. <clears throat> I found that there's plenty of ways that we can go with this, but I'm going to give it to you like God gave it to me. The Bible refers to times of captivity as being ruled with a heavy hand, being ruled by a harsh ruler and a, and a taskmaster, a cruel taskmaster. So that it would bring the children of Israel to their senses and they would cry out for a deliverer. In this account, the Bible does not tell us that Eglon was a cruel taskmaster. However, it does tell us that Eglon set up in the city of the Palms. The city of Palms was Jericho. And isn't it just like the enemy of our soul to set up on one of our first victories? When the children came out, came into the land, it was Jericho that they marched around and God gave them a victory to show that he was their God and that he could deliver them no matter the odds, no matter how big the wall was that they were going to overcome by trusting in him and believing in him. And it was Eglon that came in and he sets his kingdom up right in the place of their victory. How many times is it that we look back on our victories and look back at what God has delivered us from and and it is the enemy of our soul that parks himself there and starts to begin to tell us it wasn't that great. It wasn't. You weren't doing that bad. God didn't deliver you out of that much. You weren't involved in it that much. God did deliver you. But, but you, you don't want to give him a whole lot of credit. I'm going to set up on your first victory, and I'm going to belittle it. It's just like the enemy of the soul to try to get us to look at where we were and belittle the victory. And it was the children of Israel that were ruled by Eglon that it was an enemy that 
it wasn't that taxing, it didn't appear to me, because the Bible tells me that it was 18 years. There were other rulers that were more tasked, that were more harsh on the children of Israel, where they just stood it for eight years and 12 years and, and, a, and a lower number of years because it was so great of a, of a grievance and they took so much that they would cry out and they would come to their senses sooner. But, but with this Eglon, it troubled me because 18 years they allowed this Eglon to rule over them. So I'm thinking, why would they allow this to happen? Could it be that Eglon was just taking a little bit? They were still allowed to to maybe go to the tabernacle. They were still allowed to, to, to maybe worship a little bit. He wasn't taking a whole lot. He wasn't asking a lot of them. He was just setting his summer parlor up in the middle of their victory. But Ehud, to give a present from the children of Israel, took it upon himself to plan and bake him a dagger. To plan and go to this fat man and deal with him. Something that maybe was not really interfering with the children of Israel's walk that they thought The Bible calls Eglon a fat man, which is symbolic of carnality. If we are not careful, we can begin to make excuses for our carnal nature. Twenty twenty has given us and I'm I'm careful here because I understand that COVID is a sickness and I understand that some people it is harder and rougher on them than others. But it seems as though our carnal nature would lean into that and say, what an excuse not to go to the house of God. What an excuse not to communicate and what an excuse not to, to link up with the precious saints of God. What an excuse. It's just laid out on a silver paddle, a silver platter to, to alienate myself and cater to my carnal nature, to cater to the entertainment because I don't have anything else to do. I'm locked up in the house. Somebody hear where I'm going with this. You can't. 
God's saying, hey, I want revival in this church, but there's something we got to deal with. There's some things that you've been doing. There's some, some carnality that you've been reacting with that you've got to have to deal with Eglon. You're going to have to deal with him sometime or later. You're going to have to deal with Eglon. You're going to have to get up close to that carnal nature of yours and put it in check. Because where, told you I can chase some rabbits, because where is that desire to come to the house of God that there's nothing stopping me from getting to the presence of Almighty God? Where is that in me that said, I don't care what the government says. I don't care what a sickness and what a pandemic says. I've got to get to the house of God. I've got to get around his people. Where is that, Nate? Where is that? Where is that that we have allowed our carnal nature to grow up so big and so tall that we cannot... It's gotten so fat we can't move it. We're beginning to move into things that just a year ago, let me tell you, I'm in the spirit of God right now, that just a year ago we said, you won't find me there. You won't find me in that location. You won't find me. You won't find me looking at that. You won't find my attention there. Just a year ago, we said, you won't find but our carnal nature because we've been locked up because the desire hasn't pushed us to the house of God that our carnal nature has begun to grow. We've got to deal with Eglon. You're going to have to deal with Eglon. Eglon will say, you know, I'll be transparent right here because I've done this. When you stop coming to the house of God and you stop, you stop being fed that manna from heaven every time a man of God steps before this pulpit and he pours out his heart. That's manna from heaven coming down and feeding the spiritual man, feeding that, feeding that desire to come to the house of God. But when you get away from that, I'm here to tell you I stand as a witness that you begin to fade. You begin to think on things that you shouldn't think of. Why? Because carnality is being fed. Everywhere you go, your carnality is being fed. Everywhere you look, there, there's billboards, there's there, there, the internet, everywhere you can look, your carnal, there's food laid out for your carnal man to feast on. Why is Eglon so fat? Because it's the carnal nature. It's everything's laid out before him. Why is the Eglon in our life so hard to move out of the way? Because he can feed on anything, and he grows, and he gets sustenance from trash. We're going to have to deal with the Eglon in our life. We begin to think that maybe there's some benefits to our carnal nature. Or, you know, it, 
You're not fed spiritually, so you begin to think, well, maybe it doesn't take all that. Maybe, maybe Brother Bradford and, and Bishop all these years have been pushing this holiness a little too far. the standard of the church. We begin to feed our carnal nature and the apparel that the world is wearing begins to, instead of becoming a turnoff to us when we're feeding our spiritual man, it becomes attractive and we start leaning towards that fashion. We start leaning towards that trend. Why? Because the egg lawn that you're captive to, he's feeding on that. And when you're not equally balancing it with your spiritual, you're going to have carnality. You gotta, there, your carnal nature is there until, until Jesus comes and takes us away and our bodies are transformed into, into his likeness. We're going to have that carnal nature, but you got to deal with it. It's not going away. It's like bitterness. Unless you deal with bitterness, your bitterness is not going away. Bitterness doesn't need a lot of water. Bitterness doesn't need a lot of food. Bitterness just needs to sit there and the wrong word come up, the wrong name come up, and all of a sudden that bitterness will just rise up and it just overshadows you until you got to get into an altar and put it back down to where it belongs. Eglon's not going away. Eglon's going to have to be dealt with by each and every one of us. In 2 Samuel, now it came to pass the death of Saul when David returned from the slaughter of the Amalekites. David abode two days in Ziklag. Came to pass on the third day, and behold, a man came from the camp, out of the camp from Saul, with his clothes rent, earth upon his head. So it was, he came to David and fell on the earth. David said unto him, From whence thou comest? And he said, Out of the camp of Israel am I escaped. David said unto him, How went the matter? I pray thee, tell me. And he answered, that the people are fled from the battle and many people also, also are fallen dead. And Saul and Jonathan, his son, are dead also. David said unto the young man that told him, How knowest thou that Saul and Jonathan, his son, be dead? The young man told him, I happened by chance upon Mount Gilboa. Behold, Saul leaned upon his spear, and lo, the chariots and horsemen followed hard after him. And he looked Behind him and saw me and called unto me. And when I answered, Here am I, he said, Who art thou? And I answered him, I am an Amalekite. And he said unto me, He said again, Stand, I pray thee, upon me and slay me, for anguish is come upon me 
because my life is yet whole in me. And I, so I stood upon him and slew him because I was sure he could not live after that he was fallen. And I... And I, an Amalekite, and I took the crown that was upon his head and the bracelet that was on his arm and brought it hither to my Lord. He said, what does that have to do with Eglon? Saul had an Eglon in his life. He was commanded to kill the Amalekites and the king. Destroy them all. Saul looked at it and said, I can live with some of them. It's not all that bad. They have some good sheep. There's some good things that are there. He didn't destroy the Amalekites. And at the end of his life, it was the very thing that he was supposed to destroy. The very thing he was supposed to address, the very thing that he was supposed to deal with, was standing over him and slew him and took the crown off of his head. Church, I am in no wise anger, but I am burdened. Because if we don't deal with Eglon, if we don't deal with the Amalekite, if we don't deal with what God is telling us to deal with, not only is it going to be the thing that takes your spiritual life, but my Bible tells me that the children of Israel had to deal with the Amalekites for generations. You want to think that you can toy with it? You want to think that, oh, Eglon, my carnality's okay. I can do this. There are children. There are generations that are coming behind you that are watching your actions. They're watching how you deal with the Eglon in your life. They're watching what revival comes out of how you deal with Eglon. They're watching your prayer life. They're watching how that during this I'm telling you, God's coming. God's returning for a church that has made itself ready. And our enemy, the accuser of the brethren, seeing that he has such a short time to work, he is laying excuses out on a platter for you. But there's generations that are coming up that are watching us. 
how are they dealing with this? Is this something that's going to give me the chance to, to lay back on my laurels, to lay back on my prayer life, to stop my fasting? I say nay. I say no. At this time, we need to pray more. It's time like this when we're dealing with the eggnogs in our life that we don't forget the prayer closet. That now more than ever, we are walking in the spirit. That we are praying until we pray in the spirit. That's how you deal with Eglon. That's how you deal with the Eglon in your life. That's how you deal with the carnality. God, God wake me up in the middle of the night with a burden like you used to wake me up with a burden. But what has happened? The Eglon in my life has allowed me to roll over and close my eyes and go back to sleep. Where's the burden? For the lost loved one. Where's the burden that brings you down to the church and you go to the pew and where they used to sit and you lay down in the pew <laughs> and you begin to intercede for them? Come on, church. That's how you deal with Eglon. The Bible tells me that when Jesus was baptized, that his flesh was driven into the wilderness. Carnal man, the spirit driveth him into the wilderness. When's the last time that we've allowed the spirit to drive this carnal man into a prayer room? When's the last time we've allowed it? The spirit of God to cause us to push the plate back. I'm not near done, but this altar's open right now. I've got more to say, but this altar's open. Come on, somebody needs to deal with Eglon. said having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof has the Eglon in our life caused us to have a form of godliness but there's no power there. David dealt with his Eglon and said create in me a clean heart. God, you gotta create in me. Renew it in me, God. 
Wash me throughly, God. Wash me throughly. He who had prepared it. He made himself a dagger. He said, I'm going to deal with this. I made it up in my mind. I'm not going another day without dealing with this carnality. There's nothing. I'm not calling anybody a sinner. I'm not telling anybody that you've walked away from God, but I'm telling you every each and every one of us need to find a place right now to pray and deal with Eglon. Get ourselves in check. God, am I praying like I should be praying? God, am I am I moving towards you and not away from you? God, I want you to prepare me for revival. And in preparing me in revival, I've got to get back to you. I've got to deal with, I've got to deal with me, God. Come on, it was Ehud that took it upon himself and said, I'm going to deal with it. This is not a church thing. This is I've got to deal with my, I've got to deal with myself right now. I've got to get myself where I can be delivered, where I can be free in the Holy Ghost. I've got to get myself back to where God can burden me, where God can move me.
I'm not going to allow it to take residence in my victories. I'm going to give all the glory to God. I'm going to give all the glory to him and let him restore me. Come on, we got to push through. We've got to make sure we deal with Eglon. We got to deal with Eglon and lock the door and walk away and not look back at it. I'm dealing with this final God. This is the final time I'm dealing with this. I'm getting it in check. I'm locking the door and I'm walking away. I'm walking, not walking out the same way that I came in, but I'm walking out a different door. I'm walking out with you, God. I'm walking out with freedom.
God, I love your presence. There's nobody like you, Jesus. Nobody compares to you. How lovely is your dwelling place. Oh, Lord Almighty, for my soul longs and even faints for you. Taste it and I have seen Come once again to me 